the SF Music Tech Summit, recorded live by Media One Audiovisual. To learn more about us, visit us online at MediaOneAudio.com. Kick us off. Hey guys, I'm Tyler Jensen. I'm uh, manager of PR and social media at Beatport. Uh, you probably already know this, but Beatport is the world's largest music store for DJs. And we just redesigned our site in HTML5 out of a Flash environment. And we also today opened a new developer pod at Rocket Space <coughs> in San Francisco. So we are actively looking and recruiting for, what, app developers, IT developers, and all other kinds of talented engineers uh, here in San Francisco. We also have positions open in Denver. We also have another office in Berlin. So we're happy to add San Fran to the party. Um, and we're really excited to be here on the HTML5 panel. So thank you guys very much. If you have any questions or you want to apply or you're interested in a position here, come talk to me or Peter Siciliano afterwards, and uh, we'll get you hired. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, I'm Doug Rayburn. I'm going to be moderating this session, and uh, I'm going to just start off by letting each one of our panel members introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about your most recent HTML5 initiatives and kind of what you're working on. Uh, my name is Chris Martin. I'm the VP of Engineering at Pandora. I've been at Pandora for seven years, which is uh, longer than the services existed. We were Savage Beast. We did the naming exercise. Uh, Pandora was most remembered in our survey. Uh, prior to that, I mostly worked in the enterprise software space. Um, we, uh, our initiative, as most of you know, is about our new website, which is much less flash, much faster to load, much more interactive. We've added a bunch of really cool social features to the site, as well as um, just wing zing ding features like huge album art. So it looks a lot better on multiple platforms, such as large format TVs and things like that. But really, it's just about a huge, significant update of our technology there. My name is Marco Solera, and uh, we have uh, an iPhone app that we generated, uh, uh, I'd say, probably earlier in the year. And uh, we've done a complete redo to cast a much larger net, and, and HTML5 has allowed us to do that, where we, we write once in 90% of our code base is covering most of the browsers and functionality lets us run on Android, iPhone. You know, you get the typical far-reaching scale. So you can go to Android, you can go to desktop, you can go to multiple browsers. And so uh, a lot of our current initiatives are about how do you take a single code base and run it everywhere and have it look great everywhere and then, you know, deal with the multiple display sizes you have to deal with um, and then have it still be um, relevant. Uh, I'm Peter Siciliano. I'm the CTO of Bport. Uh, I've been there for four years. Um, also, from the technology side, I, I have a background there. I'm also a DJ and producer, so that's where the Bport part comes in. Um, we just switched from an all-flash site, uh, which we've had since the beginning of Bport, so for seven years, to an HTML5 site. And for all the reasons Chris just said, uh, seeing all the same benefits we added. It's faster. It's easier to deal with. It's an uh, interesting new structure. It's also built on a new platform that we've established. So uh, all the same reasons. We also have larger cover art. So it's all good stuff. I'm Todd Berman. I'm the uh, head of engineering at a company called Ardio. Uh, we do digital music, streaming, subscription service. You know, it's uh, similar to Rhapsody, Spotify, uh, Mog, about 80 others. Um, we think what we do very differently is... <laughs> We think what we do very differently is give you a social discovery experience that you don't see on other platforms. 
So the first question, um, how has HTML5 and uh, CSS3 changed the way that you approach uh, the graphical design and uh, user experience design? What's changed since the, uh, the Flash world? Um, so, you know, when we uh, first started to play with um, going from an Objective-C platform to uh, an HTML5 platform, we just did it in a traditional manner, just a, a very large, you know, HTML site and just threw everything we could in there and including graphics for everything you could imagine, some buttons and icons and everything like that. And then as we went back and we went and said, okay, now we got it working, we can actually do this, um, we started to go back and optimize. And what we got out of uh, CSS3 was the ability to have a single sprite, which is, um, I don't know, does anyone here know what a sprite is? It's an image with all your little icons on it. And then when you download, you're just making one request. So I'm talking about speed here, because on mobile devices, your biggest uh, problem is not necessarily getting the, uh, the file, but it's all the subsequent HTTP requests. It actually it takes a big hit on mobile. So if you lose, use a sprite, you get all your images in one file. That's one request. I got all my images. And then basically the browser just kind of moves that, that large image around just to show the icon that you want to use. So in essence, we went from a site that was one and a half megs to 100K. So we did all our buttons, we did all our gradients, we did everything in CSS, and that's all code. You're not downloading images for all that stuff. So we got a huge, huge speed advantage. Let me, I wanted to. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say we still. Five percent of our users are on IE7, so um, we really have taken no advantage of these new technologies. Uh, no, 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 he's absolutely right. You know, IE is like a place where it's it just broken. You know, and you got to deal with that, right? It's, it's, it works for us. It's not broken. <laughs> wow. So just so we can kind of get a, just a quick gauge on uh, the audience here, I'm just going to ask a few quick questions, and if you could just raise your hand and let us know where you fit in here. So first of all, are there any uh, front-end HTML and CSS developers here? Okay. Uh, how many front-end JavaScript developers do we have here? Okay. And um, how many iOS and Android native app developers? Just a couple. And how many hardcore system architect, back-end engineers? Oh, I got a few of those. All right. Um, and then who's the non-techie folks just interested in what HTML5 is and what that even means? Okay. So how, can somebody just do a quick answer for that? Uh, what yeah. exactly is HTML5, and it's, how does that compare to Flash? It's, it's no different. Um, it's the same thing as HTML. Uh, CSS3 is really the big win that we're seeing with HTML5 across you know, the, the development community. Uh, there's some things you can do in HTML5, you know, on, the, on true HTML5 when you separate it from CSS3 that are some you know, large advantages, but for the most part, the big wins you're going to see are going to be you know, CSS uh, gradients, animations, things like that. Kind of back to the question I asked um, before, with that, with CSS3, are the designers doing anything differently? Are they approaching the graphics differently? Is yeah, they, it, they, they make my life a lot harder. They do? Uh, they're, How they're, so? Their designs are a lot, uh, you know, a lot more particular, a lot more specific, and the tools are a lot more accessible for them, so they're actually <laughs> able to 
instead of just telling us how it's wrong, they're able to show us why it's wrong and then rub our faces in it for, you know, for at least the rest of the day, um, which is it's always good. But there's also, you know, there, there are some advantages with uh, HTML5 on the JavaScript side. You know, one of the things when people talk about HTML5, what they're really talking about is this new generation of browsers that have great JavaScript engines, which is an advantage for everyone you know, up here and everyone on the web. Yeah, I mean, not, not to go too far back, but on the last question, uh, switching from Flash to HTML5, we've definitely seen uh, a, a lot of advantages, including we used to have a uh, 3.5 meg SWIFT uh, that needed to load, and we are a global company, so uh, we also had to have a J Japan site, and if you embed fonts into that, now that's a 5 meg SWIFT that we're delivering to Tokyo, um, that was kind of slow and annoying, uh, taking 20 to 30 seconds to load. So. If it's taking 20 to 30 seconds to load before you can even see the content that we want to sell you, that's a bad thing. So uh, HTML5, we're about 300K for our, our full site load, and um, it takes it's loading in J Tokyo, I think, now we're at three seconds total load, including content. So that's a, an, an advantage right there we got. Um, are you finding that doing more things on the front end, is it requiring kind of a, a different architecture are your are your javascript developers doing more of the work now and you have less server side people trying to render the site well, in our case we have kind of a, a we have a we're agile scrum so our teams work together um, our app devs work side by side with the ui guys and um, the ui guys fought the switch from flash to uh, html5 at first um, and then adopted it wholeheartedly once they saw what they were able to do with it so um, it also changed our, we had a box where we could put everything uh, in Flash and it allows us to create lists, which is basically what we're doing. We're selling lists of things to people. So, uh, Other than to support the various new features on the site, nothing really changed on our back end. Um, the, the site loads a lot faster now. It also uses a lot less CPU, so we get a lot less complaints about that. I mean, we were, the old Flash tuner used... Um, like 100% of a single core. <laughs> and we could never figure out with Adobe how to make that better. Um, uh, I, I also would say that we have, uh, we've had to basically rebuild six years worth of Flash Laszlo development. So, and it's taken us about six people for six months. So it's a lot of work, but uh, really it's mostly all front end work for us. Are you uh, finding it more difficult or easier to find developers for HTML5 versus Flash? And are you seeing your uh, existing Flash developers make the transition, or are you seeing a segmented developer community? Well, I'll, I'll take that one. Um, we've been at kind of you know HTML5-ish since the beginning. We've never really had a Flash UI, so our guys have always been very comfortable with you know the combination of Flash and HTML that we use. You know, with all the JavaScript and things like that. So we haven't had a, a hiring issue. I mean, I would love to be hiring Flash developers right now, though. It would, it would be a lot easier than it was three or four years ago. Um, <laughs> you know, the biggest, the, the biggest concern that, that we have with our front-end people, you know, is less about language specificity and, you know, do they know this tool set or that tool set? It's all, it's all about what can they learn. And, you know, so for us, it hasn't been a big impact one way or the other. Um, have the development times changed at all with HTML5 versus Flash? Are, are things developed quicker, or are you seeing things very similar to Flash? Um, well, I think um, uh, a lot of the stuff that's happening in HTML5 
at least this, yeah, five, meaning specifically what's happening in this current rev where you're getting JavaScript, CSS, and, you know, you're getting all this, you're taking advantage of um, a lot of these libraries that are out there. There's a learning curve because it's a new way of, you're looking at JavaScript in a different way. So people who are comfortable and used to JavaScript are forced to take a look at it and go, wait a minute, I'm, I'm actually writing JavaScript like I would write a language, like a, a, a traditional language. And that, I think, was a big transition at first, was like, it's not a web page anymore. It's much more structured. It's much more, um, you know, a, a functional and uh, objective. And so because of that, I think there is a learning curve there. But it's something that you should be starting now, because by the time your team gets up to speed, it's going to be something, you know, you'll be at the, at the, it's like swimming out to the wave, right? You're, you're trying to catch the wave. And so you got to start now if you plan to, to, to match that because people need time. Are you guys seeing any, any difference in your development cycles? Uh, the whole thing's just taking a long time. <laughs> it's, it's, it takes something that exists for six years with all the features it has, just a lot of work. But I think also I would just add, we don't, you can't in this as technology is changing so fast. You can't hire for a particular technology. You have to hire smart people who know what they know, and you ask them what they say they know, and that's not what you hire on. So that's they need to evolve with the technology. It's changing incredibly fast. Definitely. Um, so I was hoping with HTML5 that we might get some sort of uh, standardization on audio and video codecs. Is there any hope of that, or are we still going to be supporting? Uh, lots of different codecs for lots of different browsers. Well, we're already sorting, start, starting to support three um, just for our audio player, and we only just play one stream. So uh, you, we have a fallback. Um, we actually are still using a Flash player, and we do fall back to an HTML player. If the Flash player doesn't work, we have RTMP. We also have a, a HTTP. So we're calling from multiple sources to get our audio content. Uh, it's dealing with multiple browsers, multiple situations, multiple bandwidths. You kind of have to be flexible on how you're going to supply your music, at least in our case. I don't know what you yeah, guys are. I mean, you're, you're all HTML5. Yeah, we're all HTML5. So, um, you know, we use something called Sound Manager. Um, and this is a, 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 you know, a library you can take and you can import into your HTML5 app. And it supports uh, Vorbis and it supports HTML5, I mean, MP3 and. One other one. It does AAC as well. AAC, right? Um, and so, but if you want to, but that, but if you go to, uh, like, say, Firefox, for example, just to give you a concept, you have to run, you have to have a Flash plugin because Firefox does not support uh, MP3 playback. At least in our case, we stream uh, progressive HTTP uh, streaming of MP3s. So you know, we you still fall back on Flash for some browsers uh, using Sound Manager. That's the exact same problem we have. I I mean, the, the codec issue is unsolvable with, you know, some people being unwilling to ship codecs that are patented and, and have licensing concerns and other people having no problem paying those costs up front. Uh, and then when you get down to progressive download versus true streaming, which to me is the, the meat of the issue, uh, progressive download is inefficient. It's, it's not good. It, you know, it's not how you want to be streaming music in, at any point. And, you know, the, the lack of kind of, you know, some standardization on the browser and, and spec side for some progressive or some uh, true streaming protocol, you know, whether it doesn't have to be RTMP, I'm not married to it, but something that lets me actually seek into a song and not wait until it's been buffered or start doing byte range requests and guessing about, you know, bit rates and is it VBR and CBR and all, all this like hardcore nerd stuff that's boring and stupid. 
you get stuck with that with progressive downloads, and you don't have any of that when you when you have a real streaming protocol, which is to me where you know FMS and and you know Flash really shines on the audio side. Uh, I, I can say that we were very hopeful for the native audio in the browsers we do support on the, on the more recent versions, but uh, in the end, due to bugs and various other things, we're all Flash basically, very lightweight Flash player to play audio. Um, so with Flash, one of the, the nice advantages of Flash was there's a plugin that's installed on all of the browsers, so you can, you can have somewhat of a consistent expectation, I guess. But there were still cross-browser issues that we always have to deal with. Um, are you seeing HTML5 having those having um, better success with getting cross-browser compatibility, or are you still finding yourself doing things differently in every browser and always doing little band-aids? I mean, I, I, I think it's worse now than, than it was before. I mean, we, HTML5 is so new, it doesn't even mean anything. It's, you know, CSS3, which you know, has partial support on some platforms, you know, and others, it's not very well done. There's all kinds of syntax issues, you know, different syntax and, you know, for gradients in three different browsers. I mean, it's, it's not getting better. It's, it's getting worse, but that is a good thing because it's driving innovation as opposed to everything just sitting, you know, kind of uh, static and not moving. I would agree, but um, we used to have some real issues with Flash uh, with our whole store based on it. Um, for some reason, uh, randomly, Tuesdays in Italy, uh, people on Mac Pros couldn't load the Flash player and then would call us. So, and it, would work, it wouldn't work on any platform. So it's kind of a dilemma when your entire store is based on something that you can't even give them another option to go see. So we're definitely dealing with the pain of cross-browser support and cross-system support. Um, but if it's not working in one, at least we can say... Try Chrome or try try Firefox. What are you using? Uh, just try something different, and then inevitably, be like, okay, it works now. Yeah. For us, it's been a little bit uh, a little bit easier, I would think, because we don't come with a legacy background, right? We have we're fresh. We can just do everything the the first time out, and so we're seeing about ninety percent of our uh, CSS JavaScript as being universal across all of them except IE. Which is a huge browser, right? Yeah, but it, but besides IE, it's ninety percent the same, and then we're just doing special, you know, tweaks to deal with the issues for the individual browsers, and so that's not so bad. At least you know, from the team, our, our particular team is very comfortable with that. Of like, okay, I can deal with that. That's just a little tweak for this guy, and that's a little tweak for this guy. But and it's a lot of savings, especially for a small shop. We're six guys, and you know, I can't support iPhone, Android, uh, a website, and I don't have the resources to write all that code. So this is, for a large organization, it might be seen as a down, but for us, it's seen as the up. You know, it's a cup half full, cup half empty kind of thing. Perspective, where are you in the stack looking at? IE7. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We, <laughs> there's nothing you can do about the IE, uh, the IE issues. That's true. Um, Speaking of the, the gradients and the different ways things are rendered, are you finding designers getting extremely annoyed not seeing like pixel-perfect representations of their designs? I, I just ignore them. <laughs> yeah, I think they've been working with engineers for long enough. They're used to that. Uh, we're, we're, we're always getting closer, and I think the new tools are letting us you know, bridge the gap even more. And you know, they're happier than they used to be. Um, you know. But engineers just deciding something isn't going to be the way it is in the design is something they've been dealing with their whole careers. And uh, I wish yeah. we could have done that at the advertising company. <laughs> yeah, that's 
It's definitely a learning, our uh, whole UI team needed a little bit of a learning curve coming from Flash and being able to literally put things in perfect boxes. Yeah. And then now they're like, it's close enough. You know what we, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, if, you, if you're supporting users that are on the head of Chrome, the head of Firefox and IE9, it's gotten a lot better. Yep. Um, but the reality, very few of us are. are well, we're really fortunate our users are pretty much early adopters as well. Yes. So. Yeah. B4 I mean, basically has the best situation out of anyone in this panel. That's, <laughs> they've, they've got a good model and a good every, you know, great we're set lucky. of people. Yes. Are, are there things that you do to recommend to your users to upgrade their browsers? Do you detect their browser and so try to help them? We actually, um, you know, three years ago when I when you know, we sat down and started RDO, we, we looked at the browser stuff and said, you know, we're not we're not even going to touch IE6. You know, and, and and three years ago, IE6 was still a big enough browser that most people were you know seriously supporting it or at least you know forced to. So we went right with Chrome Frame, and we've actually found that Chrome Frame has been very useful to push people towards. So we even tell people on IE7 and IE8 if they have any issues, hey, just just grab Chrome Frame. It's an easy install. You know, it's kind of doesn't one require administrator access. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a that has been actually the biggest help for us is pushing people towards Chrome Frame, and then other companies are now doing it. So we're actually seeing a lot of IE users come and hit our site that already have it, and for us that's great because you know Chrome Frame updates behind the scene and it's it's you know really stable and really modern. Um, in mobile development, when everything started, people were doing nothing but native iOS and Android apps. Um, and lately, there's been some technologies like PhoneGap that are coming out to allow HTML5 developers to develop uh, mobile apps. Are you guys adopting anything like that, or are you sticking with native iOS and Android development? I, I have to justify a 30-person engineering team somehow. So na na native apps seem like a great way to do it. Um, you know, there's like eight platforms, new ones coming out every day. But, I mean, at the end of the day, there's the, for a lot of the stuff that we're doing at RDO with the offline caching and things like that, you know, the, the amount of low-level system stuff that we need to make it, you know, work on your phone without killing your battery, it, it's, it, it's helpful to be able to drop that low. I think if we were to start over today, we might look at it more. But where we are now, I've got you know huge infrastructures and teams that are already trained up, and the cost benefit doesn't look as pretty. But I, I can definitely tell you, if we were you know, if Ardio was starting from day one now, we would spend a lot of time looking at it to see what we could get out of it. So uh, uh, you know, we still want to maintain our iPhone uh, app store footprint, right? You want to be able to use that as a distribution channel because you say, oh, we're a web app, and people will only hear app, and they may go to the app store to download it instead of just going to dub dub dub, right? So, um, so one of the things we do is we just uh, use a native uh, Safari WebKit wrapper and all the content that loads. So you're downloading essentially a browser to your phone that has our logo on it, but everything that loads in that browser is HTML5 and identical to the website. So for us, again, this idea of a write it once and then just have to support the different dif the differences for the different, brow uh, for the different browsers and the uniqueness of their implementations. And so, yeah, you get the ability to go there and you also uh, maintain a lot of the identical functionality. This uh, I mean, this is one area where uh, we don't necessarily have it the best out of this group. Uh, we have a very vocal audience that uh, definitely wants their apps. They need an app, even though you can completely see it on an iPad or an iPhone with no problem. If it's not an app, they don't want to deal with it. So uh, we will have to continue to support uh, whatever apps make sense. I, I think the model Marcos is talking about has a lot of potential because just being subjected to the um, App Store approval process is 
pain enough and being able to update things as often as you'd like is very compelling. But the reality is, is with all the integrations we do with our app, all the car stuff we're doing, mm. there's there's no way we can get away from, you know, doing low-level iOS development. So we got to know the Bluetooth stack up and down just to... That's painful. Yeah. That's painful. Did you have something for this? Yeah. Hold on uh, one second so you can get a microphone. <laughs> Uh, interestingly enough, I was just about to ask that same question um, with regards to the cars and these other emerging platforms, be it TV, be it you know anywhere that, that the media is coming. Um, your counterpoint was actually Tom Conrad this morning at Disrupt saying, I think that... We don't agree very often. I know. <laughs> but he was saying that, that HTML5 is something that, that can come into cars and can come into these other platforms. Do you see it? Uh, as capable of, of being strong enough in those platforms today, or do you see? Do you think that the standards need to evolve before it can really? I actually shine don't think we're contradicting each other because for for that to happen, that browser on those platforms has to support the entire stack that we're supporting now on the phone, in addition to streaming the audio over the cell tower. So I think what the cars and TVs and Blu-ray players are going to have to do when they go implement HTML5 is to come to all these developers, all of us, and say, what do we need to support to make your app work right? And in that case, we shouldn't have to worry too much about Bluetooth. But Are, are they good about that right now? Or uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're very interested. Okay. Also, I think in that model, the broadband is in the car, right? So it's not your cell. And even if it is, the stack still has to exist in the head unit. So um, from a security perspective, what are some of the security concerns or, or benefits, if there are any, to HTML5 uh, audio and video streaming? Um, is it easier for people to steal the music? Is it harder for them to steal the music? What's the difference? I mean, they could always get it. Yeah, yeah I, I don't. Always, yeah. I can't stop them from getting the music. I mean, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think most people steal music from HTML5 or Flash apps. I think they steal it from BitTorrent and news groups and things like that. And none of this has any intersect with that. So you know, there, there's increased risk, but I, at the end of the day, it's not it's not a big deal. I think the security of the app itself, um, you know, is a bigger deal. We were talking earlier, and you know, that that that's a big problem. You know, as people being able to just look at your app, find security holes in your app that are outside of getting the music, but more into the you know the personal information and things things like that. Yeah, I mean, like, essentially, and for the uninitiated, when you write an HTML5 app, essentially you're it's it's an HTML. It's traditional in the sense it's just a page. It's just code on a page, and then you can just view source and look at those things. And if you're sophisticated, you can then even go deeper and get the JavaScript, you know, and just pull it all in and see how the thing's constructed. So you do you take a lot of work to minify and to, to compress these things and to make them hard for human reading. But essentially, if you're willing to put the time and energy in, you can just look at what we've done and learn from all this expertise that we're bringing to bear, um, or at least get a good foothold of where you need to go. And so that's that's what he's talking about, app security. It's uh, my code's exposed, so what can I do to... I'm almost giving away my, a lot of my talent uh, to people who are smart enough to come back. Yeah, I mean, you're you're working on open source software at that point, whether you know it or not, yeah. uh, and you've yeah. got to you got to keep that in mind that you know your code's out there and, and people can just look at it. So you've got to you know write a little more defensively and you know make sure your server can handle you know any kind of issues and that you're quick enough to update and patch security holes. 
Have your content providers voiced any concerns at all with HTML5? No comment. <laughs> we have a couple of uh, suppliers that are upset that we've switched because um, not pushing large Swift around anymore. They're not making as much money as they used to from us, so uh, it's good for us. Um, it's, I think we can uh, go ahead and open it up to some questions out there if anybody has them. This isn't a problem I realized until last night at 11 o'clock, so I'm not even fully sure how to say it, but um, I'm um, helping somebody with building a website, and I realized that we need a content management system, and my friends are all using Drupal, and I'm like, okay, that's great. Um, The people I'm working with said, oh, we want this to be HTML5 compliant. What do you know about content management systems in HTML5? What issues should I be looking out for before I choose a system, or what... Um, what, what should I know about this? Is there anything that developers know or you know with the managing your content? I got, I got nothing. Uh, we, we, we stay away from CMSs. They're yeah. scary. <laughs> I yeah. mean, uh, you know, I don't know. It's not content management per se, but Basecamp is an HTML5 uh, compliant application, and uh, it's very good for project management and for file management and for t- distribution of tasks and stuff like this. So I know it's not directly going to publish for you, but at least it'll get you over the hurdle and get you at least managing your project in a sane way, and it's HTML5, and it's pretty much, uh, I would say, uh, widely accepted, in, even in large corporations. That's, that's all I got for you. Yeah. Can you not use a CMS? Most of the CMSs should work with HTML5. It's, CMSs should be used for just updating the content, and your your web developers can build HTML5 features and functionality around it. I would I would think. So one of the uh, new features of CSS3 is CSS media queries uh, that theoretically will let you adapt your page your pages to the size of the screen by just having different CSS. Uh, Michael with Microsoft. Uh, how are you guys looking at that in your HTML5 strategies? Uh, we, uh, we use something called Skeleton, which is really not well known, but it's actually quite sophisticated. And we're constantly, so we take an approach to uh, display. That's how we look at content. We, when we look at our UI, we say, what is the size of the display? And what's the appropriate UI for that size? And then as you, you can just drag the corner and pull it. And as you're pulling it, maybe you go to a portrait. It's a different format. You go to, uh, you know, an iPhone size is different. And if you go to a mini player size, it, it, it does something different. And it's this ability to, to constantly be checking the resolution of the, the portal, the window that you're in, and then reformatting and redoing the UI based on that. So the, our approach has been to use a single template using Skeleton to allow us to, to take advantage of that. Is anybody else using the, the new media? We haven't addressed scaling yet. Uh, it's on our roadmap next. But we built uh, all of our stuff behind the scenes, all of our images and stuff resized dynamically. Um, but we'll be looking at the UI next. Right there. So you might have talked about this. I missed the first five minutes, but there's a lot of discussion around Flash versus HTML5, but what is your top recommendation for moving from HTML4 to HTML5? 
especially for like a web app that uses a lot of JavaScript and CSS. Backbone. Yeah, Backbone is a great library. Um, other than that, you're already on HTML5 if you're you know, using those tools. So it's not a big difference as far as uh, your development model. Um, I think the, the one thing is we've found it's nice to say HTML5 because people that aren't nerds know what that is. So we just focus on that. Along those lines, are there any other um, HTML5 tools, uh, templates, libraries, other things that you use to help speed your development process? Uh, pizza. Uh, <laughs> beer. It's Red Bull. We wrote a test framework with PhantomJS so that we can run um, tests in the, on the command line without ever, ever actually rendering the UI on a box. So it, the the tool will take a snapshot of the whatever the state things were in. Anyways, that and we use beer more than pizza. <laughs> Good thing you're testing. Yeah. <laughs> question in the back. Yeah, I saw a spec up in Google Code somewhere for an uh, audio recording widget in HTML5 built in JavaScript, but no one's ever built it. You don't you don't get low enough level access to the audio hardware to do that kind of stuff. Okay, not with local storage, can't work. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I'd love to be wrong because yeah. that's that would be really cool. But I. I don't. I think Flash is really the only way to get the microphone, uh, you know, on a computer on a website easily without you know a lot of uh, hoops. We got one here in the front. Hey, I uh, work at a record label, and I'm sort of responsible for pushing technology there. And I'm wondering if any of you who interface with usually us and get shot down on things. Um, I am sort of on the flip side speaking with artists and will sometimes push technologies and get shot down in exactly the same way. And I'm wondering where you've been successful in arguing for going to these new technologies, I mean, particularly HTML5, and security issues that your content providers might have. How have you addressed that? We, we tell people stealing their music is a good thing. Um, that means they're listening. Yeah. Maybe you can talk about it since you made probably the biggest migration. Yeah, it, for us, it's been, it's been pretty much the same. The way the content is accessed is, is the same through our API. So um, you can scrape it before it even displays if, if you're on the Flash site or on an HTML5 site. Um, so our, our security is basically make it a lower res so, people, so DJs can't play it, um, still give the two-minute previews and allow people to experiment with it. So and that argument's been successful? It has been um, because... Uh, most of the labels that we're working with, they're recognizing that they need to do this in order for DJs to understand, you know, what they're buying. Uh, we can't do 30-second previews. We can't make it sound less of a quality than it already is because we do make it a lower quality. But uh, it's, um, you know, any resourceful person that knows how to deal with scripting can pretty much rip whatever they want to rip if they're targeted correctly. Although they can't really get access to our our library. I mean, that's a little bit more complicated. So this is kind of a generic question that I could do research to find out, but uh, I'm looking at developing mobile apps and thinking about doing them in HTML5, and I wonder if it has any provision for sensor access in general, or like you said, the mic isn't available, so I'm assuming no. Well, so you can use a tool like PhoneGap, uh, which audio room is using and you can there's titanium is another one there's a there's a couple out there that will give you javascript level access that you can also write objective c against if you need even lower level 
so there's functionality out there for it. And it's, I, I definitely, like, if, if you're looking at writing an app right now, it's definitely worth looking at. It may not fit your needs. It may not be the right solution. But I would, I would definitely spend some time with it. Um, I mean, Hello? So strict, uh, strict web app? Where not deployed in either store, not an APK, not a no, iOS, then, no. Then no access to sensor. I mean, by I, I think they'll get there. Actually, I think uh, uh, mobile Safari on iOS will do some of the accelerometer stuff now. And GPS. Yeah, and, and you can get location on all, on both phones. They're they're starting to do it, but um, if you want to do it today, you need to look at phone gap or something like that. If your you know release timeline is longer, then you might be able to wait it out. No, yeah, I agree with them completely. It's it's. The, the standards are evolving quickly, and um, you know there's going to be a bunch of announcements later this month by the biggest players out there about HTML5 and how they're pushing. And it's you're going to see a huge lift, and that is going to just drive that. Okay, let's give them more access through the browser with a permissioning dialogue, kind of like, hey, do you want to give permission to microphone? Yes, no, kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I, th I think it's just a matter of time yeah. before they start opening that up. And I th the, the Chrome App Store kind of in, almost indicates to me that that's where it's headed, where they let you something in the app store that's just a website, and all you do is pound up there. So I, I feel like it's going to go there. I'm wondering if any of you have any experience with HTML5 serving up multiple streams of media or other content simultaneously, or if you think that the spec is going to support that in the future? Well, we, um, we do it accidentally all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like an accidental <laughs> mashup kind of a thing? Uh-huh. Well, you know, we're using Sound Manager, and with Sound Manager, you have multiple, you know, instances, you know, running in the background. So we're pulling, actually, we're playing one song, and before the end of that song, we're actually pulling in the next song, holding it there, loading it, and putting it on pause, and at the end of this track, stopping and starting. So it's already loaded in memory as opposed to in local storage and has to be loaded into memory. So you, you can do these kinds of things to help uh, with buffering and, uh, you know, crossfading. But you really can't, you can't do traditional crossfade if that's what you're asking. I think I don't see a reason. Yeah. I mean, I think it works. So you can, I yeah. get like 12 YouTube videos going, so I don't, you know, even with the, their HTML5 player. I mean, I think for us, we've never really looked at it. Um, most people get mad at us when we play two things at once, not the other way around. <laughs> so we, you know, we haven't really looked at it as a feature set that you know we're we're super excited about or anything. We definitely do you know the kind of pause and buffer and and you know a little bit of a crossfade between two streams and stuff like that. But n nothing around compositing you know music or or anything like that. I actually think hopefully Bport will do something awesome there. Uh, that would soon. be fun. Don't comment. <laughs> I haven't followed this super closely, but Adobe seems to be making noises that they have big plans to support HTML5. Can you speculate on how that would affect people who already have Flash applications? I mean, I think it's where people are going, but I also think it's kind of like, uh, you know, post 9-11 patriotism, right, where, you know, you had to be in. Like you, you, they don't have a chance, a choice right now to do anything else and to not be excited about you know what everyone else is excited about. They can't be the one person saying no, no, no. You know, build this proprietary thing on this proprietary plugin that you know isn't even shipping on new Apple laptops anymore, and and you know going that direction. So I think you know it's a 
they're a big company. They're, they're taking both roads, and uh, they'll end up in a good place no matter what happens. And from my perspective, we would have rewritten from scratch, even if they had had something like that. So we yeah. wouldn't have converted. We would. I mean, it was an opportunity for us to readdress how you interact with a with a user, change the whole user experience. It's different. Yeah, I'd echo what Peter says. <laughs> We're six years old. We had to <laughs> revisit it. Any more questions? One more. So this is maybe more of a detailed question, but um, we're building an app that plays music, and we're using Sound Manager to play with Flash. But one of the problems we're running into is that if you have multiple windows of the app open, uh, with HTML5, it's hard to pause all the windows or have them overlap playing, whereas Flash, you kind of get, I think, wider control of that. Is that something you've run into or tried to solve? Or um, So we, we use Flash local connection to do that kind of stuff. You can use window post message. Uh, it's supported on most browsers. You're going to have to build your own thing on top of it, but it will work. It won't work cross-browser, so if someone's in Safari and Chrome um, filing ridiculous bugs against your thing that no one, why would anyone do that? But apparently a large percentage of people try it. Um, you're going to, you're kind of, you know, uh, not, it's not going to work for you there, but uh, Flash actually will do that, and that's one of the reasons that we still use Flash is for that cross-browser on the same machine communication. I'm not sure we really talked about this, but, I mean, uh, we our player is still Flash. Our primary player on Bport is still Flash. Um, it's just the rest of the interface around it isn't. And we do have a fallback to uh, an HTTP request uh, player, so a jQuery player. So, um, and I think you're, are you're opposite of that. Well, we do session we do uh, session management, which prevents you from playing two streams in no matter what browsers you are because we know who you are and we know you have a session that's running and if you try to open another browser same identity and play a second stream it'll play that one but the moment the previous one starts to go advance the next track it goes oh you're already logged in somewhere else and it pops you out and you have to go to the other one uh, Safari Lion has a feature where if you background a tab the uh, audio will just stop yeah, yeah. That, that one's awesome <laughs> yeah, well, one of the, you know, he's just talking, you know, just popped in my head. You know, one of the cool things you get from uh, HTML5 or, uh, or just, you know, uh, WebKit is if you're playing audio via Sound Manager on mobile Safari, which would be an iPhone, iPad, if you um, double-click on the button, you'll actually, in swipe to the right, you'll see that you no longer have the iPod controllers. The iPod now has the Safari icon there, and actually you're controlling Safari. So even from your little headphones, if you're playing uh, our, our app, uh, you can control the pause, play, uh, and skip, and volume right from the controller up here, because uh, it's for free, and the iPhone just gives it to you. And also if you have AirTunes, which is like this uh, you know, wireless plug into your speaker thing, it also shows that as a uh, possible output. And that's really nice stuff, you know, that just low-hanging fruit they give to you. Do you have any um, favorite resources for, any favorite resources for the current state of HTML5 since things are changing so fast with it? Yeah, it's all on the way. I mean, you have to, I suggest you go and look at Backbone and Underscore and jQuery and, uh, you know, Skeleton. And uh, there's a wonderful book out there called Elegant, Eloquent JavaScript, which, though not specifically for HTML5, has a wonderful uh, way to look at JavaScript as a real language as opposed to this thing that has always been previously, which is just like, you know, put it here, put it there, you know. 
Yeah, I, I would uh, recommend checking out Stack Overflow. There's always great stuff there, great pointers to things. Um, you, community's really helpful, uh, and for the most part, correct, which which is great. I found uh, HTML5 boilerplate is kind of an, a neat little template to kind of get started in the, the CSS3 world and the HTML5 world. It's, you can learn from it. They comment it very well, so it's a good way to dive into it. Speaking of those JavaScript libraries, do you have favorites that you're all using, like jQuery or uh, ExtJS or whatever? jQuery. We're using jQuery. Yeah, we, the jQuery. Heavily, heavily modified jQuery. We, uh, we're, I think we're, you know, some of our developers are actually um, contributors to some of these newer libraries and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, so everyone's got their own flavors, you know, and they want to they wanna tweak what they want to tweak. Well, we kick it back. So it's yeah, yeah, exactly. From you, you put it back out in the community and Thank let you. it grow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're here for. We're all here together. Why, why, can't, why doesn't anyone laugh when I talk? <laughs> I think it's the beard. <laughs> no, the uh, Backbone is a great resource. I, uh, Backbone is amazing. Underscore is amazing. Uh, you know, jQuery is great. Um, but it's it's still kind of the Wild West, so there's a lot of homebrew uh, stuff happening. Can you explain a little bit about Backbone and what it does? I No. No. Not really. Not not in a couple <laughs> words. Uh, basically, it's it's a great way to write structured views and structured uh, models and, and and kind of collections so that you can communicate with your server in a less ad hoc sort of way and and you know kind of have a structure in your application. Something that you know a Java programmer or a C sharp programmer would be comfortable with, as opposed to where JavaScript has traditionally been thought of as kind of a you know a little bit here, a little bit there. You know, it, it helps you build a real app and provide some framework in there. Sanity. Yeah. Anybody else? All right. Well, uh, thank you everyone for being here, and I uh, hope you guys uh, build some HTML5 apps pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs>